Hey everyone, this is Tim Harris. I'm the pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church and this is our weekly podcast. Hope it encourages you. Hope it makes you want to be closer to Jesus and more like him. Hope you enjoy this sermon. And if you want to know more about us, find us online at woodburnbaptist.org. Good morning. morning. Happy Father's Day to all you dads, granddads, stepdads, and other father figures here in the room. I know many of you serve in, in youth ministry and in kids ministry and you don't have kids, maybe you're not even married. We just had VBS and I saw a lot of guys helping out there. So I just wanna know we appreciate you and all you do here at the church mentoring kids and happy Father's Day to all you guys. Um, I wanted to start by introducing myself. My name is Ben Norred. I'm the tech and communications director here. And I've been here for about three years. They keep me busy. If you don't see me, it's because I'm you know, back fixing something. I like to say I'm in the tech cave. Um, so after this week, I'll descend back into the shadows. But um, so I, I've been married for six, almost seven years to my beautiful wife, Haley. And we have a one-year-old son named Porter. He just turned one about a week ago. So this is my second ever Father's Day. And it's been such a blessing, but so difficult as well. As many of you parents know, that first year is tough and you don't get a lot of sleep. Uh, but it's been a blessing. Pastor Tim is out this week. As he said, he is actually serving as the camp pastor at Crossings Camp, which is where uh, Jason Dunbar has taken our students. And so they're there as well. So you get the third string this week and um, you'll just have to suffer through it. But I promise I'll get you out of here earlier than Tim does so you can beat the Methodist to lunch. <laughs> um, so I'm sure you'll enjoy that. But uh, we'll be in Luke chapter nine this morning. And Luke chapter nine, verse 23 through 27. As I, after Tim asked me to fill in for him and I was preparing for this sermon, I knew it was Father's Day, so I thought a, a sermon on parenting would be good. However, I've been a dad for a year and I have no idea what I'm doing. And so I thought it would be pretty inappropriate for me to try and tell you how to parent your kids. Because you could probably teach me a few things. But I do think being a dad for a year, I've learned a few things about how we can apply parenting to make us better followers of Jesus. And we have to, we have to actually do that. You know, we can't just, it doesn't just happen naturally. But if we take some of the things that we learn from parenting, we can apply those and become better followers of Jesus. So uh, let's read Luke chapter nine, verse 23 through 27. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. I tell you the truth. Some of you standing here right now will not die before they, before they see the kingdom of God. You know, this passage starts out with Jesus saying, he's addressing a crowd and he says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross daily. Some translations will say deny yourself. You must deny yourself to follow Jesus. So you have to, you have to die to your own desires, your own wills. You have to die to your sin in order to, to follow Jesus. And Jesus is going to call us to do things that are difficult. It's not a comfortable life, the Christian life. And so that's why we have to take up our cross. You know, Jesus, Jesus took up the cross and he died, died a gruesome death on the cross for our sins. And 
that wasn't comfortable, that wasn't easy. And so we're, Jesus is calling us to do the same thing, to, to live a life that's not comfortable, a life that's not easy in order to glorify him and do what he asks us to do. And so that brings me to the first thing that I think that parenting teaches us. I think that parenting helps us learn to deny ourselves. And I heard laughter over there because, you know, it's true. We learn this early on as parents, for those of you that are parents, especially the moms, I think, because, you know, from the beginning, they're growing this new life inside of them. And even the food that they eat, they don't get to keep all the nutrients. Um, and so they're, they're sacrificing from the beginning. For me, I learned this in the hospital. Um, we, Haley ended up having to be induced because Porter was about a week late. And so it was scheduled and we go into the hospital and we walk into the delivery room and there is a bed and a chair. That's it. That's all you get in that room. And I was like, I guess I'm going to sleep in a chair. And anyway, we were in there for, for 26 hours and I didn't sleep a wink and I really didn't sleep a wink for the next like three or four months. Um, but it's, uh, you, you know, it's, it's hard being a parent. You, you make sacrifices all the time for your kids. Maybe you make sacrifice, you sacrifice sleep in the beginning, or you sacrifice some time to take them to, to practice and to, you know, t-ball tournaments and to lessons and recitals and, and all of these things. You're, you're constantly sacrificing for your kids because you love them so much. We, we make those, those daily sacrifices for our kids. And so that brings me to a question. Are you making those same kind of daily sacrifices for Jesus? Jesus that's what Jesus is calling us to do here in this passage. He says to, to deny yourself and take up your cross daily. We have to do this daily. That's what the passage says. Every day, we have to set aside ourselves and our own wants and our own desires in order to follow Jesus, just like you do with your kids. And, you know, this, it, it's an amazing thing to, to be able to follow Jesus and, and deny yourself even though it's hard. Um, you know, if, if we can make Jesus that ultimate that ultimate relationship that we have in our lives, all of our other relationships are going to benefit. We're going we're gonna to become better parents. We're going to become better spouses if we just set aside ourselves and follow him. Because he deserves that. He deserves for us to deny ourselves in order to follow him. Because he died on the cross for our sins. And so we need to make that relationship with him our number one priority in order to be the true followers of Jesus that we want to be. And, you know, some of those sacrifices may look like, you know, you just need to set aside time every day to spend in his word. Maybe that's 15 minutes, maybe that's 30, whatever that looks like for you. Maybe you just need to set aside time to, to read his word and study it. Maybe you need to set aside some time to pray and to spend in conversation with him and talking to him. Maybe you need to go knock on your neighbor's door and offer to mow their lawn. I don't know what God is calling you to do. I don't know what those sacrifices that you need to make are, but God is calling you to make those sacrifices. So then Jesus continues on in the same verse, and he says, uh, if, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? I think we throw this around a lot. You know, I'm, I'm following Jesus but what does that mean? How, how do we follow Jesus? I think there's two ways that we follow Jesus. First, we do what he teaches us. And so first, Jesus has given us his word that, that we can read anytime we need to, that we can glean information from. 
And so if you're spending time in his word every day, he's going to be teaching you things. You're going to be learning either directly from his teachings when he was here on earth or learning from things that God has revealed to to prophets and the other writers of the Bible. You're going to be learning things. And so we have to do what he teaches us. But also, I think as a Christian, once we accept Jesus as our Savior, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so you're going to hear things from the Holy Spirit. He's going to tell you to do things, you know, that, that he's not going to tell anybody else to do. Like I said, maybe it's knock on your neighbor's door or witness to, witness to the person that, you know, is serving you this afternoon at the restaurant. Whatever it is, the Holy Spirit's going to tell you to do things. And so we have to do what Jesus teaches us. The second way that we follow Jesus is we emulate his example. And so if, if you're following Jesus... You're, you're going to do. You're going to live a life like he lived, and and so what did Jesus' life look like? Well, first Jesus humbled himself and came down to this earth as a baby. He lived a perfect, sinless life. Got twelve disciples to follow him, and he taught them lots of things. And then he died on the cross for our sins, was buried, and rose three days later to conquer sin and death, so that we can spend eternity in heaven with him. And I know you're thinking, Ben, I cannot do that. You're right, you can't. Um, we can't live a perfect, sinless life. We just can't. And we've, we've already made too many mistakes. We can't live that perfect, sinless life. But Jesus did that for us. And we don't have to die on the cross because Jesus died on the cross once for all the sins of the world. It only had to be done once. So you don't have to do that. And then he conquered death so that you could spend eternity in heaven with him. All that's been done for you already. So what can you do from this list I just gave that, that Jesus did. I think you can make disciples. Jesus went and he got 12 guys to follow him closely and he taught him everything that he knew and he showed them how to be, to be children of God. And so we can all do the same thing. It is our goal to go out into the world, tell others the gospel and help them to follow Jesus. And Tim says this all the time, especially since we've started this kind of mission one emphasis, that our one goal as a church is to go out and make disciples. That's our one goal as Christians. Go tell others about Jesus. That's it. We don't have any other, we don't have any other goals. We don't have any other um, narratives to push, anything like that. Go tell people about Jesus and help them to follow him. That's it. And so if, if that's our one goal as, as Christians, then our one goal as parents should be to disciple our children to be followers of Jesus. So that brings me to my second point, is that parenting helps us learn to make disciples of others. Because if we are choosing every day to try and make disciples of our kids, we're going to be learning things. We're going to be becoming better disciple makers. You know, you can try things out and maybe make mistakes with your kids that you can't make with other people because they're with you all the time. You know, they're going to love you no matter what because you're their parent. And, and so you can make those mistakes and you can try new things and you can learn how to be a good disciple maker with your kids so that when you go out in the world, you can do that with others too because that's our goal is to make disciples of, uh, of all the nations. That's, that's what Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's what Jesus told us to do before he left. Those were his parting words. Go and make disciples. And so that should be our one goal as parents too. You, it's not, your goal is not to make them, um, have them have the best grades or to get in the best college or to be on the best travel baseball team or to become the best pianist. 
Those aren't your goals. Your goals are to make, Jesus, make them the best follower of Jesus that they can be. And when they follow Jesus, whatever God has planned for their life is what's going to happen. If it does so happen to be that they get into a great college or, you know, are the best pianist in the world or whatever, God's going to use that. But you've got to let God do that work. You don't have to do it. Just teach them to follow Jesus. And I know so many of us probably feel really inadequate. I know I do. I'm like, goodness, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing as a parent. But that's okay because discipleship is a journey. Discipleship is all about transformation. We're slowly becoming more and more like Jesus, and it takes time. Transformation doesn't happen instantly. You don't just like get saved and then all of a sudden become Paul. You, you get saved, and, and over time, you're going to become a better follower of Jesus. You're gonna, these things are going to become more natural to you. You're going to grow in your faith, and that's okay. And so all you're doing when you're discipling others is you're saying, hey, I'm going to Jesus. You want to come with me? And so you're just kind of leading the way, just bringing them alongside you as you go towards Jesus. And so we can do that with our kids, but we can do that with our neighbors. We can do that with our you know, coworkers. We can do that with the person that we see in the grocery store. Whatever that is, we can, we can help lead others toward Jesus. And, and so I want to give you a word of caution because I think that accountability is crucial for discipleship. If you are going to be discipling others, then you must yourself also be discipled by another older, more mature Christian. Because if you don't, we're all bound to make mistakes. We're humans. And so when you make that mistake, when you step off the path, you have people following you. And those people are going to follow you and you're going to be doubling your mistakes. So if you're in a good accountability relationship with another believer, then they're going to, they're going to grab you and say, hey, I think you made a mistake. I think you stepped off the path. Come back with me, and we're going to make this right. And so you can work together with that person to, to grow and, and become a better follower of Jesus. I've seen this myself with being on staff. I, um, I've had a great relationship with Rod. He's really helped disciple me as, um, as a follower of Christ since I've been here. But then Pastor Tim and the rest of the staff, we, just, we have a great staff that, that helped disciple me personally. And so I, I want that for you. I want you all to be in, in relationships where you're getting to grow and learn in this accountability to discipleship relationship. But I also want to remind you that we have tools available here at the church. You know, Nicole and Jason have books and, and all kinds of things and ways that they can help you be a better discipler of your kids. You know, they, I know Nicole posts um, social media posts all the time about how to, how to have conversation with, with your kids about certain difficult t- you know, topics and what they've been talking about in their, in their classes. And, and Jason, Jason does the same thing. He, he can help you have these good conversations with your kids. Um, you know, if, if you don't feel like you know what you're doing, we, we do have resources around here. But also, I want to encourage you and just tell you that God cares way more about the condition of your heart than how much you know. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be a theologian or have gone to Bible, you know, Bible college or whatever to be a follower of Jesus. You just have to want to follow him with your whole heart. And if you're following him with your whole heart, he's going to take care of the rest. The Holy Spirit's going to give you what you need to have difficult, uh, you know, conversations with people and, and to do difficult things. I'm reminded of when I was in high school, actually I was in middle school, I had just, I came to know Jesus when I was in seventh grade, it was the summer between seventh and eighth grade, we went to, to church camp, 
And that's where I gave my life to Christ. I come back the next school year and there's a new kid in class. And I had been the new kid the last year, so I just thought, I'm gonna try and be friends with this guy because I know it can be lonely to be the new kid. And so we became great friends. We would go over to each other's houses and we had all kinds of fun, but he was an atheist and a very outspoken atheist. He would argue with me and we would have conversations and he would ask me really tough questions that just had me bamboozled. But we would have all of these you know, really deep conversations and I'm just a baby Christian. I, don't, I didn't know what I was doing. I would go back to, to church the next week and ask my youth pastor and you know, we just had this ongoing dialogue. Eventually I got him to go to church because I told him we had a ping pong table and he wanted to play ping pong. So he, he, came, and he came to church and played ping pong and then through, he developed relationships with some of the other kids at church and just started coming every week even though he didn't believe anything we were talking about. And then that next summer, he gave his life to Christ at church camp. And I don't claim any of that as my own. That's all the Holy Spirit's doing. I didn't, I didn't have any idea what I was doing. I was just an eighth grader who had just given his life to Jesus. But I got to help lead a friend to Jesus. And you can have that same kind of impact too if you're willing to just follow him. That's all you have to do is just trust him and he's gonna take care of the rest. You don't have to know everything. He just cares about the condition of your heart. Let's look at uh, verse 24 again. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. I, I think in this passage, Jesus is just saying, you know, we can't hold on to the things that we have tightly. We've just got to give them up and give them to God for him to use for his glory. And Tim kind of talked about this last week with money. You know, we have to be good stewards of the money that God has given us because it's a gift from him. And we didn't plan it this way. It just kind of worked out that it kind of goes along with my, one of my points. But, you know, we can't, we have to be willing to give what we have over to God for him to use. And so that brings me to the third thing I think parenting teaches us. Parenting helps us learn to let go of what we have and give it to God. You know, I think... Many of you would say one of the hardest things about being a parent is knowing that you have to let go of them eventually in the end. Um, you know, 18, 22, 30 years, whatever it looks like, they're eventually going to leave the house. And when they leave the house, you've got to let them go. You've just got to let them live their own life. And so especially towards the end of those teenage years, I, I think parents start to hold a little bit more loosely to their kids. They let them, they let them go a little bit more. You're not hanging on to them, trying to protect them from everything. You're, you're letting them grow and learn and, and be, kind of become their own person. And so I think if we learn to hold that loosely to all the things that we have that God has given us and, and give them to him, then he's going to use them to do amazing things. But especially our kids. I think a lot of times we we hold on to our kids and don't want to let God use them for his glory because we're afraid of what he's going to ask them to do. We're afraid he's going to send them to a, a dangerous third world country or um, send them to the wrong part of town or, or whatever. God may send them to a place that's dangerous and, and we don't want them to get hurt. We don't want, because we love them so much. We want to protect our kids. But if that's God's will for their life, he's going to do more amazing things than we ever could. We just sang about how God is a good, good father. And so if he's a good, good father, man, we can trust him with our kids, Right? 
I think so. I think we can trust him with our kids. And it, it makes me think of a story from when I was, when I was in youth group. I'm going to go back to church camp again. I guess I've got church camp on the mind because the, the kids are there this week. Um, but when, every year we'd go to camp and a, like a couple kids would say, you know what, I think I'm feeling called to the ministry. And, you know, whatever it was, kids ministry, youth ministry, the, the mission field, they were, they were called. And without fail, every year, at least one of those kids would come back to youth group a couple weeks later and be like, I guess not. My parents just told me that, you know, I, I could never provide for myself being a, a minister. I, I never make enough money. And that just makes me so sad. Like we say that we trust God and that he's a good, good father. And then when he calls our kids into the ministry, we're like, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't, I, don't, I don't trust God enough with your life. But I think we can fully trust him with our kids' lives. And I, it makes me think of a passage in Matthew, Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11. Jesus says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Now this particular passage is about prayer, so I'm taking it a little bit out of context, but I think it applies through the transitive property that if God can provide for your life and he can, he can give you better gifts than you could ever give your kids, then I think he can give good gifts you know, better gifts than you could ever give your kids to your kids as well. God's gonna take better care of your kids than you ever could. He's gonna give them a life way bigger than the life you could have ever imagined for them. You may think you have this grand idea of how their life's gonna turn out because they're good at something or because they, you know, because you were good at this and you think they're gonna be better at it or whatever. You think you know what to expect out of your kids' lives, but I'm telling you, God has a bigger and greater expectation for their lives, and it's gonna be more amazing than you can ever imagine. I think of Hannah in the Bible. You, many of you may know her story, but she was a woman who couldn't have any kids, and she goes to the temple, and she's praying fervently for God to give her a kid, and she says, God, if you'll just give me a son, I'll, I'll dedicate his entire life to you. And the, the priest Eli actually thinks that she's drunk because of the, she's praying so fervently. And anyway, she goes home and, and then God gives her a son and her son's name is Samuel. And after he's weaned, she takes him to the temple and gives him back to Eli for Eli to raise him. And he ends up becoming a prophet. And he's one of the, the major prophets for the nation of Israel who eventually picks David to be the king. And then through David's lineage is where Jesus is born. So the, Hannah left this amazing legacy through her son because she was just willing to give his life to Jesus. She was just willing to give his life to God's plan. And you can leave that same kind of legacy here on this earth if you're just willing to give your kids to God and let God use them for his glory. And you can do the same with your, if you don't have kids. You know, you have you have all kinds of resources. You have money, you have a home, you have time, you have energy. All of these things can be devoted to God's glory if you're willing to just let them go. So just, just let go of, of all you have because it's all a gift from God. Even the breath in your lungs right now is a gift from God. So we have to give that to him for his glory. 
And then finally, I think this is pretty self-explanatory, but parenting helps us learn unconditional love. I know a lot of people, when they talk about their kids, they talk about how they remember the fir- holding them for the first time and that just instant wave of unconditional love that they had for their kids. And all of us who are parents in this room, I know you would say that you love your kids no matter what. They can't do anything to escape your love. And that's amazing that this love that we get to have for our kids, because it's something that we can't have any, any other way. And God demonstrated this. Like God is the one who kind of showed us this love. And I think of Romans 5.8, which says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. The Bible says that we were enemies of God before we accepted Jesus' gift of salvation. We were enemies because we were sinners, and God is so holy, he can't be close to sin. And so we were his enemies, but he loved us. He showed his great love for us by sending his only son to die on the cross for our sins. God loves us no matter what because we were created in his image, and we are his children. And so if we're going to emulate Jesus, we've got to show unconditional love to others. That unconditional love that you have for your kids, you've got to show that same unconditional love to everyone you meet, to your neighbor down the street, to your coworker that you see every day, to that person you get that just really gets under your skin, to that person who maybe went to the 8 o'clock service today because you're in the 11 o'clock service. Whoever it is, there's somebody, there's people in your life that maybe you don't have a right relationship with that you aren't showing unconditional love to, but they were created in God's image too. Jesus died on the cross for them too. And he loves them just as much as he loves you and and they deserve his love just as much as you. So you you have to go out into the world and show that love to others. Show that same unconditional love that you show your kids to everyone you meet because you'd be amazed You never know what's gonna happen. There may be somebody in your life that's never seen that kind of love. They didn't have good parents. And they've never seen this unconditional love that that God showed us. And maybe that's what brings them to, to Christ. You don't know. So let's show that unconditional love to everyone we meet. But I also wanted to just say, I know that today can be hard. It can be hard for those of you who have have lost a father. You know, maybe they passed away if you know, decades ago and you just really missed them on this day. Maybe they passed away recently. Or maybe you didn't have a good father. Maybe they were never around. They abandoned you. Or maybe they were abusive. Or they just weren't a good parent. And so that's why I chose this as my last point because I wanted to remind you that you are loved. You are loved beyond imagination by the good, good father. Father, that is greater than any father you could ever know here on earth. He loves you unconditionally. And he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins because of that great love that he has for you. So I hope that you can live in that love. I hope that you can, you can find your identity in that love that Jesus has for you. Because he does. You can't outrun it. You can't out it. Jesus loves you no matter what. And if, if we can find our identity in that, then 
we can go out into the world and do all those things that I've talked about today. We can, we can deny ourselves and take up our cross. We can, we can um, let go of our things easily. We can, um, we can make disciples of others and we can love others unconditionally if we live in that love that he's, he's given us. But also, if you've heard me talking about this discipleship journey and you're thinking, you know, I don't think I'm on this. I don't think I'm on that path. I don't think I'm heading towards Jesus. And you wanna get on that journey? Today is a great day to start that journey with your, with your heavenly father. What a, what a better way to celebrate Father's Day than to begin this discipling relationship with your heavenly father who loves you. So let's make today the best Father's Day ever and follow Jesus however he's calling you to follow. Let's pray.